North Dakota is a very short growing season. When the ground is frozen, we're done. We have a minimal amount of time in the spring and a minimal time in the fall to get planted and then get harvested. It's a long way from growing up, working the family farm in Lisbon, North Dakota, about 900 miles to be exact, to leading one of the fastest growing cities in Indiana. In retrospect, I think I'm probably better at public policy than I would be at growing corn. Fisher's Mayor Scott Fadness has spent more than a decade charting Fisher's course. That has turned into an Indiana economic juggernaut through investment, entertainment, and quality of life. Every home should be a haven. IKEA, the wonderful everyday. This is Top Golf. Not just a move, but a movement, making it possible to play anywhere, anytime, both IRL and online. Since opening in 2019, the yard at Fisher's District has been a hub of entertainment for our community. Fisher's Mayor Scott Fadness, much more up his sleeve, including a $1 billion economic development plan to shepherd the next chapter for the city. He's my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Scott Fadness has led the city of Fishers for seven years. He's been the driving force behind its transformation into a magnet for business, restaurants, and entertainment venues. Fadness grew up on the family farm in North Dakota, earned a degree from North Dakota State University, and ended up in graduate school at IU in the mid-2000s. He never left Indiana after that. Scott moved to what was then the town of Fishers shortly after his year studying in Bloomington, wound up serving as town manager. Then in 2015, Fishers became a city, and Scott Fadness has served as the first and only mayor ever since. And I am pleased to be joined by a very busy guy, Fishers Mayor, Scott Fadness, Mayor, welcome to the podcast. And I should note that the day we are taping this uh, podcast, you uh, talking of your busy schedule, uh, you actually participated in the beginning of the demolition of what has been Fisher City Hall, right? Yeah, I got a sledgehammer and went over there with my staff and uh, took a few cracks at the old building. Uh, it's been 18 years of my career in that building started as an intern there so it was bittersweet but i have to admit there are worse ways to start a monday than you know taking a sledgehammer to a wall yeah and it seems to me that that event uh demolishing uh, the city hall which isn't that old really is really reflective of the growth and the change and the transformation that continues to take place in the city of fishers i think you're right i mean it is definitely emblematic of just kind of the, the transformation of our community. Uh, I've seen it now in eight, 18 years, nearly 18 years of work at the city, just the uh, tremendous amount of change that has taken place from a kind of sleepy bedroom community to what is now, you know, a hundred thousand people and a pretty dynamic, both uh, commercial place, you know, lots of commerce happening there as well as just, kind of the amenities and the quality of life that's uh, starting to take place there is really pretty extraordinary. Yeah, you talk about population growth. That's one way to measure it. And, and I know I pulled some statistics here that I think the Fisher's population in 1990, 
So a little over 30 years ago, it was about 7,500. And now it's over, what, 100,000? And obviously, you've gone from a a town to a full-fledged city. That's some pretty phenomenal growth. Uh, I think for for a long time, I think we were one of the fastest growing communities, not only in, you know, Indiana, but in the country. And uh, I think those stats prove it out. What, what is it about fishers? I mean, sometimes you get momentum going, you get, uh, you know, one development leads to another, but it just seems like there's been so much development in fishers. You can point to a number of different areas. The downtown has totally changed and transformed. You've attracted some headquarters, you've attracted restaurant and dining uh, destinations, entertainment with Top Golf, uh, shopping, retail with, with Ikea. What, uh, is there one thing that, that has led to this uh, continued explosive growth? I think it's perpetual motion. You know, you just rattled off eight or nine different kind of industry sectors or different types of development, and we're moving on all fronts. And uh, I think that was kind of the Part of, partly the key to our success is just being kind of dogged about building that momentum and maintaining that momentum and, uh, and not being afraid of change and doing something different. And I think that's allowed us to be maybe a little bit more creative than, than the average city and move a little faster than most would normally do. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have a city council for the most part that's been supportive of, you know, attempting these endeavors and it's, you know, paid off so far. Everyone, you know, change is difficult, uh, no matter what you're talking about. Uh, and certainly that's the case with development, I think, in cities of, of all kinds of sizes. Uh, there are people that are resistant to change. How much resistance did you get to, you know, some pretty dramatic change there in Fishers? Initially, it was pretty staunch. Uh, and you got to work your way through that and you have to lead your way through that. And, and then if you prove through performance that your ideas and your ability to execute on those ideas work for the long-term benefit of your community, each new idea and each new change becomes a little bit easier. Um, But, you know, I've been personally sued. I've had people run against me in elections. We've been in the courts many, many times on people fighting these changes. And, uh, and so there's a degree of perseverance that has to be there and a commitment, not a, not an arrogant commitment, but kind of a self-assuredness that the vision that you have is the right one. And that you're willing to stomach some of the fear and apprehension and, frankly, flat out anger that comes with change. And we did that. We weathered that storm. And I think nowadays, I hope that people actually embrace the fact that in our community, we, we're OK with trying new things. You're trying a lot of new things. And most recently, and I know we talked about this on the TV show, but you announced uh, a number of projects, new projects, some that had been announced earlier but it shows the diversity of the companies that are interested in Fishers, Andretti Autosport, so the motorsports sector, uh, Genizen Life Sciences, Stevan Auto, an Italian company, again, the Life Sciences, and also uh, a new arena, which uh, I think a lot of people were surprised by, you know, an entertainment complex that will be home to the Indy Fuel. Talk about uh, those projects and again, use the word transformation, but really uh, will herald uh, some uh, continued uh, transformational growth. Yeah, I mean, uh, we came close to nearly a billion, $1.1 billion in those announcements of new private and public investment. To your point, I think it's the variety is really what's kind of breathtaking about it uh, and then just the scale. But to have a global headquarters for Andretti, to have the North American headquarters for Stevanato 
to um, focus on companies like Jenison. And, and also, you know, when you look at the event center, we set out maybe a decade ago when I became mayor, I wanted to create a smart, vibrant and entrepreneurial city. And part of that vibrancy, you know, would require us to create places and spaces where families, people can come together and interact and be entertained. And so this seemed like a logical next step for our community. And um, it's been, you know, overwhelmingly supported uh, by the community. You know, when you throw these big ideas out there, you're never quite sure how the community will consume them. And so far, we've seen generally a lot of excitement and interest in having that type of amenity right in their back door. It is part of the strategy to become a destination, really. So not just a place where, you know, people kind of pass through. But when you look at, again, the entertainment venue, the field house or arena um, uh, complex you're talking about, the restaurant, the dining options that continue to increase, is part of it becoming a destination? To a point, uh, Gary, I mean, I think my goal is to create just a really dynamic and well-rounded city. And part of that is you have to have elements of it that you know, are attractive to people coming in from outside your municipal boundaries and spending money. That's always, was important. Ever aspires to become a tourist destination. I don't think that's really who Fishers is, but we want to develop and grow a really well-rounded city that can sustain itself uh, for the long term. You know, we're about built out. And when we're built out, we got to have a community that is continues to be in a very attractive place for people to want to live. And that's really been our focus far more than, you know, trying to put our name on the map uh, across the country for any particular destination. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Are, are you close to, to kind of maxing out to being built out uh, where there's really not a lot more room, room for growth? Projections, I think 130 to 135,000 would probably be our top end. So we're, we're slowing down on residential development. Commercial development, we still have a fair amount to do, but I tell you, I mean, with the recent announcements, these are not small footprints. You know, Stevenato's 30 acres. Andretti is uh, upwards of 90 acres. I mean, these are not small projects that will consume a lot of the ground left in Fishers. And, you know, it'll take them two to three, maybe even five years to complete those visions. But we're, we're taking down large chunks of what's remaining of the commercial property so it won't be long before it'll be difficult to find larger tracts of land left in Fishers to develop on. What's been the biggest challenge that you faced uh, as mayor in, in kind of leading this growth spurt that has continued on now for multiple years? What's been the biggest uh, challenge? Great to have people knocking on your door and interested in, in, in locating there, but what, what's been the biggest challenge? I think the, the biggest challenge that I can recall is really twofold. One is getting people bought into why Fishers would be a great place to do business. I remember one time when I first became either town manager or mayor, I don't recall, I wasn't sure what the, the, the development thought of Fishers from an economic development perspective. So I had a breakfast where I brought in real estate investors and developers from all around and brokers. And I asked them, you know, what is your opinion of Fishers? And I was prepared for a negative opinion uh, from some of them. But what I got was actually much worse. It's that they really didn't have an opinion of Fishers. It wasn't a place that they thought about really doing any kind of commercial business. It's just where people lived. And so the biggest challenge was convincing that entire group of individuals that Fishers was a place to do business and that we did have a clear vision and that we could move forward. The other part of that was convincing the residents of Fishers that 
this was the appropriate direction for our community and then getting them on board and excited about it. Part of the creating that identity, uh, you're talking about smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial, you know, technology, uh, uh, certainly a part of that. And I can remember back with the launch of Launch Fishers, which is the uh, kind of the iconic uh, co-working space uh, uh, that was uh, established there some years ago by Serial entrepreneur John Wexler, who just announced Spokenote, uh, a company adding 300 jobs, will locate a, its its headquarters there in 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 downtown Fishers. But he had this idea to transform the lower part of the library then into Launch Fishers, and you bought into that. A lot of people did, and they said this is a crazy idea to create a, a this kind of co working space. Was that kind of the start of that that branding, if you will, of Fishers as a as an entrepreneurial city? I absolutely. It was the start of that movement. Uh, John and I uh, had been friends for a long time, as you know. And, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons we've been successful in Fishers from time to time has been partnering with people outside of the wheelhouse of government. I mean, uh, you have to go find these individuals who are out in the economy who can become advocates for your community. And, you know, John was that in the tech community. He was my entry point into that entire subculture. And so I followed his lead and, you know, built a lot of meaningful relationships, learned a lot from the tech folks, and it allowed Fishers momentum in those early days against the world that, you know, hey, Fishers can be a place where, you know, dynamic commerce can occur. And and I think we're replicating that to some degree now with life sciences. I can name a handful of folks who are in the life science industry that have been absolutely vital to helping me build meaningful relationships into that subculture and, and hopefully continue to recruit and uh, grow more businesses here in our city. Has that life sciences growth, that success in the life sciences been a, a surprise to you in some regards? I know you purchased some land, uh, I think, out east yeah. uh, in the eastern part of the city as a kind of a life sciences park. And that has gone uh, gangbusters. You, you've uh, announced several major uh, projects yeah. there. Kind of uh, Life sciences kind of caught fire. Yeah, I, I think certainly that that pivot or that evolution from being kind of tech and entrepreneurial focus to life science as well was um, kind of a gut instinct to some degree to say, hey, I think I think there's a there there we can we can go do this, you know. And we bought seventy acres of land that was not cheap uh, and and took a risk. The response and the speed at which we were able to recruit of large and dynamic life science companies be interested in Fishers certainly surprised me. And uh, we continue to, I mean, I just got done with a, a lunch with another life science company. So we, um, we continue to see a real pipeline. And I think that's just the point of, for our community to be successful long-term, whoever's in the seat of mayor, you have to go out in the world, see what's going on, understand what's happening, and then go back and position your community to be successful in that. And I think that's what we've tried to do with life sciences. We felt like there was an opportunity. We moved quickly. And, and so far, it's, it's paid off for us. Ikea, uh, the retail giant, certainly created a stir when it selected Fishers for a location. I think that probably happens. Uh, most places Ikea goes, it, it creates yeah. quite a bit of uh, attention. I know the web traffic on stories that we posted covering that uh, were some of the, the, the most uh, frequent and clicked on stories that we had at the time. What does Ikea meant? to Fishers, I don't know, for maybe several aspects, maybe more people coming in, coming through the community, but also just to say you're a community that has an IKEA. Does that help with development? 
I think it's affirmative to the brand of the community that you're trying to, to move forward with. And, uh, and so that was certainly helpful that we were an Ikea quality community, so to speak. You know, it's funny about that particular project and it was high profile, but we really didn't go recruit Ikea. I get this all the time. People ask me, how did you land Ikea? Well, Ikea is a very sophisticated retailer. They knew exactly where they wanted to go. All I needed to do was make sure we didn't screw it up. But what Ikea did do is they have a development pattern. There are other really quality type of venues that follow Ikea's around. So Top Golf, for instance, Top Golf ends up landing here because they, they like to be in the near proximity to an Ikea. And then you look at like Shake Shack and some of these other developments in the yard that came along. I think all of those kind of dovetailed off of the momentum that Ikea brought to the table. Well, you're not done with development on that retail side and that entertainment side uh, with these recent announcements uh, with the uh, uh, arena and the uh, uh, Fishers District expansion. What kind of future development can we expect? Uh, can we expect in Fishers? I think, you know, honestly, we're at a point now with the, what we've put together over there from a development standpoint, by over there, I mean, by the yard or the district, so to speak, I think residents and the region should expect the best in class retailers from around the country uh, to locate there. So we're talking to retailers right now that are the hottest ticket out there um, really anywhere in the country. And we're, we're trying to recruit them to be a part of uh, this next phase of the district. And that's just really a testament to the, the success of the initial district and really just that whole area around it. So I'm, I'm really excited, frankly, not only to see the arena come to fruition, but to be able to start announcing some of these tenants that I think will call that area home, I think will be excitement for the next 12 to 24 months, frankly, as we roll those out. We have much more with Fisher's Mayor Scott Fadness coming up. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the early days growing up. Uh, in North Dakota, on the farm in North Dakota, and uh, a lot more, maybe what's next for Scott Fadness. That's when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. This is Alex Brown. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand. This twice-daily podcast features our statewide Inside Indiana Business Radio reports with additional bonus content that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. You can listen now on the podcast page at InsideIndianaBusiness.com or subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is Fisher's Mayor Scott Fadness. And uh, Mayor, uh, you're certainly entrenched here in central Indiana in Fisher's, but uh, it all started for you out uh, out on the farm, right, in North Dakota. Talk about growing up in North Dakota. Yeah, I think that's a common misperception probably about me because we're, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be the leader of a very fast-growing uh, city here in Indiana. So I think people assume I'm a, I'm a city kid, but I actually grew up about as remote as they come. Grew up uh, outside of a little town called Lisbon, North Dakota. I was 14 miles outside of that town. I grew up third generation farm kid uh, and loved it. I mean, all I ever wanted to do was be a farmer. So I actually feel more at home in the countryside on a tractor probably than I do in a, in a big city. 
but uh, when I was about 16, the uh, the bank actually took our took our farm away, and that that opportunity went away to become a farmer, and so really. Uh, ended up going to college and, and found my way down to IU SPIA for graduate school. And, and that's kind of how I got started here in Indiana. But initially, you, you kind of anticipated you, you'd continue on farming. What, what was that, that whole experience like with the farm uh, going away and that option going away? You know, it was difficult, to say the least, because farming, anyone who's ever been around a farm, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's more than just a job. Uh, it was something that I had the opportunity to work with my father and my grandfather on for many, many years. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, in retrospect, I think I'm probably better at public policy than I would be at growing corn. Uh, so, so maybe it was divine intervention uh, that I d- didn't end up being a farmer. Uh, but uh, I still, every fall, I can tell you when it's harvest season, which it is right now, my heart is out in a farm field for sh- at sunset, there's like no place better to be than out in a farm field during harvest season. Uh, I think any kid that grew up on the farm would, would attest to that. But you move on and, uh, you know, life has funny curves that are curveballs that are thrown at you. And I ended up here. Hey, what, well, t- t- tell me about that, because farming, I think, I- as much as any business industry or whatever you, you call it, uh, instills hard work and that, that work ethic. You, you either got it or you, you, you got to get it uh, to be in, in, the, in farming. Talk about life lessons or lessons learned as you grew up on the farm in North Dakota. It gets pretty cold out there, doesn't it? Uh, it gets real <laughs> cold. It, uh, I've seen 45 below uh, many a times. You know, uh, there is no better place to grow up in my opinion, and instill the type of values you need to be successful in life than like growing up on a farm, the work ethic, and then the sense of responsibility. You know, my, my dad, uh, if I did a good job, what it meant was that I was going to get more responsibility. (laughs) And so I think, I think to some degree, that's how I've ended up in the roles that I have here is that I don't crave adoration or awards or anything like that. I just want to feel like what I'm doing matters and I want to have a seat at the table and, and I want to take on the responsibility. And uh, each time I've done that, it's opened up new doors and new opportunities for me. And so I do think a lot of the life lessons I learned on the farm have put me and served me well in the positions that I've been uh, as I came to Fisher's. Okay, you went to college at North Dakota. Is it University of North Dakota? University of North Dakota, undergrad, and then went to graduate school in Bloomington. Okay, now is is North Dakota, is that the bison? No, no, it was the uh, originally the Fighting Sioux. They've changed their name now. Uh, but uh, NDSU was our, what I would call our rival. It was just up the road. I was at Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's about 35 miles from the Canadian border. It is ungodly cold up there and the only uh the only thing i guess i would say that it's well known for is during the cold war they actually located a number of nuclear missiles uh in that area because they knew if the russians decided to drop uh, bombs in those areas it was the least populated area <laughs> it would have the least amount of damage that's good what uh, so you ended up at iu though uh, at spia uh how, how did you end up at iu Literally was looking to go to graduate school to, to be part of the public sector. Wasn't sure exactly how. Uh, SPIA was ranked as one of the top three schools in the country. I had never been to Indiana before. Uh, had no idea where Bloomington, Indiana was. Uh, applied, got in, and uh, ultimately I moved down here in, I think it was spring of 2000, 
or summer of 2005 or six, ended up coming down to Indiana. And you met your wife, Anna, right at IU? Yeah, I met my wife. So the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, I was the public affairs side of things. My wife, is she has her master's in environmental science. She uh, uh, works on mitigating and cleaning up hazardous waste and chemical uh, spills throughout the state of Indiana and really throughout the country. And uh, we hit it off, got married and uh, moved to Fishers. I got a job working for the town and my wife got a job working for the state at the time. So did you have any uh, thought of, of going into private sector or, or other, other endeavors or were you really focused on public policy, politics, city government uh, service? That, that was your focus? Uh, I fell in love with the idea of running a city. Uh, I actually I've always had what I would call a love-hate relationship with politics. I don't, don't particularly enjoy, nor was I ever interested in being elected. Uh, I really wanted to go, you know, do the work, run the municipal government. And that's where I got into city management. And ultimately, why I ended up in the town officials at the time, if you recall, we had a town council and they appointed someone to run the day-to-day operations of the town. That was, that was my role. I was apolitical, never claimed a political party wasn't involved in any kind of political thing. I just wanted to, you know, see government run well and be a part of that. And so that's kind of, kind of my motivations. Um, definitely not the political side. Private sector has always been intriguing to me on some level, but I'm, I'm kind of a do-gooder. I want to feel like whatever I'm doing matters. And, and I felt like in city government, if you run the city well, you know, on a corny level, I guess, I felt like I was having an impact on what is today nearly 100,000 people on a daily basis. That's a motivating factor for someone like me. That's a motivating factor. When you look at the flip side, because politics today, uh, unfortunately, uh, seems to be so uh, divisive uh, at all levels, you know, certainly nationally, but it filters down to state and local government as well. Do you find the divisive nature and with social media and the different forms of communication now that I think exacerbates all that stuff do, do, do you find that makes it tougher to, to govern, tougher to run a city? Well, I think you have to be very disciplined about it. I decided when I first decided to run for mayor, I can remember to the day this conversation I had almost with myself where I just made a commitment that I'm 100% okay with losing an election, not okay with compromising what I think we need to do. And when you when you get committed to something like that, you can weather the storm of the, you know, someone tweeted something nasty at you or 42 people didn't like you on Facebook today. You just have to do what you think is in the best interest of your community and then be okay with the fact that, you know what, the community may decide that your direction and your vision wasn't the correct one, or they may be just tired of you, or you might get swept up in some political, you know, movement and you might lose your, your role. And you got to remember that you don't own these roles. You're there to serve for a period of time and people want to usher you out. Then you know what? I'll put a baseball cap on. You probably won't see me again and I'll move on with my life, but I will have done what I thought was right. And I think that discipline is really, really important. If you lose that and all of a sudden you're on Facebook every night trying to figure out what direction you should move the city that doesn't mm-hmm. have people posting ugly things about you, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I do think to your point, Gary, what I, what is unfortunate that I do see today, you know, a decade ago or five years ago in local government, most people just want you to fix their stop sign. They want you to run a city well and, you know, be competent, have integrity, things of that nature. And the problems that we dealt with were Fisher's problems. So, you know, 
someone didn't like the zoning that we were going to do. That was a Fisher's made problem when we could solve it from a Fisher's perspective. Social media and the national narrative that's out there today. Now, all of a sudden, I'm being expected to respond to and deal with problems that aren't even originating in Fishers and may not even have an existence in Fishers, but it's got people swept up and they're, they're emotional about things that they've seen on social media. I can't tell you times I've talked to people who are, you know, they'll call city hall and, and, and start yelling and be upset about something. And it'll take me a while, but I'll finally get them to admit that the only place they saw it was on Facebook. You know, well, that's not, <laughs> right. that's not a reality and I can't solve social media. So, you know, yes, it's more difficult, but if you stay disciplined and you stay committed to the fact that you're only here for a period of time, you know, you, you provide the services that you can the best way you know how and let the chips fall where they fall. You can still go to bed at night. Yeah. Do, do all the, all you mayors in Hamilton County. I mean, I look at Hamilton County and I see Fishers in the growth and the, the kind of the brand that's been created there. Carmel growth, a different brand in Carmel. Same thing for Westfield growth, a different brand there. Noblesville creating its own path. So much growth in Hamilton County. And I'm, I'm sure there's a level of competitiveness there, but do y'all get along and, and, and talk all the time? Actually, believe it or not, we collaborate very well uh, together. We do compete in a very nuanced way, which is really just this idea of um, how do we each create the most you know, advantageous community for our residents. And, and I think each one of us is pursuing that in our own way. And I don't really believe that they're competitive against one another. Um, but I think we're all in a race to truly try to cre- create the best city we possibly can. Okay, I've got to ask you, you know, you've had tremendous success there. Uh, and made a name for the city, made a name for yourself as mayor of, of Fishers. What's what's next? You know, people talking about, you know, Scott Fadden says he's going to run for governor. Is there is there another job that one day you you uh, aspire to pursue? Well, I think it goes back to our earlier conversation. I have a love-hate relationship with politics. And so the idea of pursuing a higher office, you know, most people who get into politics, you just assume that they're trying to get to the next level. Uh, I really didn't have that going into being mayor. I am really passionate about a lot of ideas that I have for central Indiana and, and the state as large. I mean, I love public policy, so I like getting in those discussions. But, you know, for me to sit around and spend all my time focused on, well, you know, I want to get to this job. I, I don't find that productive. So, you know, I really the long, I guess the short answer to your question is I don't know. Uh, I really don't at this point. I love what I'm doing right now. And if that means I just end up being mayor and then move on to the private sector, then so be it. If there's other opportunities that open up, I'll evaluate those. But, you know, you you mentioned earlier as well, this is a very unusual political time. It's a very difficult political time. And I don't know that, you know, you have to be very self-aware about who you are and whether that's a good fit for the time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm a pretty pragmatic guy. I'm not very ideological. You know, I just want to solve problems and move on. And, uh, and I'm not sure that that's the right fit in the, the political environment that we find ourselves in today. Mayor Scott Fadness, the city of Fishers. Mayor, so much going on there. And I know you've got more on your plate and uh, you're keeping us busy covering it and the news media in central Indiana around the state covering all of the growth and development in Fishers. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast this week and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Gary. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. 
and you can download it and uh, all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.